Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. All right, fans, we have quite the show for you tonight. I don't know about you, but I thought this episode of She-Hulk, episode three, was so, so fun. And there's a lot to dive into. I feel like this show is like, it's so short, the episodes, and it seems so fun. But then you look back at it and you're like, oh my god, they actually packed a lot of like really important MCU things into it. We're going to talk timeline, we're going to talk characters, we're going to talk things that were introduced... I have a lot to, to talk about, and I'm sure you do too, Katie. But to kick it off, why don't you tell me a little bit about your thoughts too? Well, I actually, it's interesting you kind of said what you said, because after I completed watching the show, my thought process was, I like how these episodes, and watch me bite this next week. But <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I think it's episode four or five is four. like controversial. Yeah. Yeah. But not not for the re- any reason, but it feels like the episodes are built like a sitcom. Yeah. Where I could kind of tune in and I don't necessarily need to understand what fully just happened in the last episode to join the conversation and be like this was a good episode like me watching my reruns of the office or friends at any given day and I'm like oh you know that's where it is in the series but I didn't watch the previous episode this one just happened to be on I know what's going on cool yeah like the character arcs are there and the character beats are there and they are evolving over time we're seeing Jen evolve over time but like you don't necessarily have to have watched episode two to be able to jump into episode three and yeah. say, like, all right, cool, I get the premise of Cause, this. Because we have the ongoing story, but we have it given to us in nuggets. Yeah. Like, and I'm thinking so prominently of Friends, for an example, and maybe that's just because I've recently watched some reruns on the TV, but I just think of, like, you have, I'm going to use, you know, I don't know, let's just say Monica and Chandler when they're trying to get a baby. That's, like, an underlying storyline that's a whole thing in one of the last few seasons. But, like, every episode you still have, like, a whole different storyline. There's a whole lot of shenanigans on top of it. Yeah, you have all the other characters doing things and everything else, and you wrap those up still in that episode. It's just that episode that these happen in. But you might still have that underlying storyline of Monica and Chandler trying to have a baby. And Jen literally points that out in the episode. She's like, oh, look, the A plot and the B plot, you know, weaving together seamlessly. Like, absolutely. Jen just was like, you're clocking this. I'm clocking this for you. Well, and that's exactly what I was thinking as I'm watching this. I was like, that's why I'm liking. And I mean, I'm liking it for a lot more than that reason. But that's why I'm liking it so much is it's like I'm tuning in and it's lighthearted. And while there's like a lot going on. I don't feel drained. I feel like I'm watching each episode, and while I want to watch more, it's no different than me watching Friends. I always want to watch more. Yeah. But I still can watch one episode and be like, cool. Yeah. I have a complete storyline. I'm where I'm happy where I'm at. You know, I'll look forward to the next episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's start diving into it, because I know there's a lot to talk about. I think one of the things that stuck out to you the most was just the little tidbits that Wong was dropping. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit of behind the scenes, you guys. 
we're actually recording together right now, but we couldn't watch together because Caitlin didn't wait for me. I was finishing up my work day and she and was I watching was the episode. <laughs> so she watched it before me. And as we were eating dinner, she was not spoiling it, but just dropping little hints about what came out. Which, you know, whatever, let's not do that in the future. But (laughs) you mentioned, you know, Wong basically talks about how Abomination in that fight, we kept wondering, like, what is his purpose, you know, for breaking him out, fighting him in that random underground fight ring as Sorcerer Supreme? The answer? He wasn't Sorcerer Supreme yet. Yeah. Okay. I have a lot to say with this. A ton. And so this is going to be, like, my thing I run with this episode because this is, uh... Nothing frustrates me more than timeline issues. Agreed. And I and by issues, I don't necessarily mean problems. Just like in general, having to worry about the timeline and not feeling satisfied because things aren't quite sitting right for me. Yeah, or they're not immediately clear why A, B, C. And I was hoping, you know, we would get a little bit of clarity. And I'm not going to negate that we definitely did so far with you know knowing that the show at least takes place after Shang Chi and the Eternals. And I also, for those of you who have known, I've talked about this whole issue with Wong and the Abomination of Shang-Chi since Shang-Chi and how much since this has bothered me. Since the first trailer. Yeah. We did a special episode on yeah, it. <laughs> like, how much it has genuinely bothered me, though, that, like, this is one of those biggest MCU issues for me. And not issue, like I said, as, like, they're messing something up or they're doing something that I don't like. It's just I can't figure it out. So let's start with the whole, you know, it's part of his Sorcerer Supreme training or whatever. I felt a little disappointed. I will say that. I felt like a weird little cop-out. <laughs> and now you can correct me. It's been a while since I've seen the first Doctor Strange. But did we really see Strange, like, become the Sorcerer Supreme? Or was that I more guess like... here's... If I have to shoehorn it in and make it make sense, here's how I'm going to do it. If you have to have a battle and you have to have a trial, not a trial like a judge trial, but like a trial or tribulation... I would think that Stranges would have been going against Kaiselius and Dormammu, okay. and okay. that we didn't necessarily see the ceremony that made him Sorcerer Supreme, okay. but he we saw his trial. Okay, see, like, that's what I wanted to clarify. I don't know that that's what they're saying, but that's, in my head, that makes sense. And, that, and at least that's something, because for me, I wasn't, I was already a little bit like, okay, interesting. So... That that was one thing. I was just a little disappointed because this was such a big thing I was so stressed about because I was like, what is this reason? And he just was like, I needed a worthy opponent. And I was like, I feel like you could have called your friend Bruce and been like, hey, bro, just like show up as a Hulk. He had on the inhibitor, though, at the time. And I That's don't true. think he would have wanted to take it off. Well, since you brought up time, let's get there. Because this is where I... And this is kind of what I said to Taylor because I really couldn't hold this back when we were having dinner. Because... A lot went through my head with this. So, initially, I'm going to just say the things we learned about the timeline. One, we learned that that She-Hulk is after No Way Home. We had that confirmation by Wong that, obviously, his little comment about memory spells and doing it again, that was 100% about No Way Home. And then, you know, he's making, well, first off, just his, how he's acting in general. You know, just like good old Wong. And then makes a comment about how Kamataj is really nice this time of year. So MOM hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So timeline-wise, we're starting to really make sense of where things are. Um, And I know No Way Home and MOM, we've had a lot of conversation about where we feel those should have been on a timeline. But now we've gotten confirmation that we know No Way Home happened before She-Hulk and MOM has not yet happened before She-Hulk. But I think what really bothered me 
And I straight up asked Taylor, was Wong dusted? And she was like, no, because he became Sorcerer Supreme when Strange was. And I was like, well, here's my issue. Shang-Chi happened after the the snap and after the blip. So that's a whole five years in which Doctor Strange would have been dusted. And Wong was just going through his trials to be the Sorcerer Supreme. What? Like, my explanation to that would just be like, I would think Wong would have been snapped. Yeah. I was really thinking about this in the back of my head throughout this entire episode because, again, someone decided to have this conversation prior to It really bothered me, and I had to share it, so I don't mind. But anyway, here's what I've come up with. Have they actually confirmed in any way that Shang-Chi takes place after Endgame? Yes. Hulk has- is in a sling at the- in the end credit scene, and the end credit scene is not long after- is, like, it's not one of those that has a time gap. So, yes. Are we 100% sure that it does not have a time gap? Yeah, because they're they're at dinner with their friends, him and Katie, and they're talking about what's what they just did, like all this crazy stuff they just did. There could be other great examples. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten to see Shang-Chi again since seeing it in theaters literally almost a year ago to date. So, <laughs> uh, and I would like to. I just haven't had time to watch the movie again. But I know that definitely was... Because I was going to say, the way that I made it make sense was that it actually takes place in the blip time frame. Like, in between the snap and the blip, because then Wong would be going through his trials to ascend to a Sorcerer Supreme in order to replace Strange. Right. But I don't know now. Right. Well, that's my issue. Because that that end credit scene is very close to the actual events of the film. Unless, and this is a stretch... Unless you're just two friends telling the other two friends, oh my gosh, this happened, but necessarily could have been, like, a month and a half ago. I don't know, man. Because we're not talking about a month and a half, we're talking about five years. No, but I'm saying a month and a half between, like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's I don't know, what I'm the- really struggling with this. And you know what? I'm going to put this out there to our listeners. If you have, sometimes we totally overthink things. Yeah. So if you have, like, an extremely simple explanation to this, and you're like, wow, these two really out here, like, thinking way too deeply about something that's they not that in deep. in the weeds. Just let us know in the comments to uh, the show, and, and we'll, or on the blog, comment Tweet on the blog. Us. Yeah, like, there are so many ways to contact us. Do it. Because if we're really in the mud about this for no reason. But to my memory, I'm pretty sure we've gotten enough confirmation that Shang-Chi happened after... The snap and the blip. Yeah, I mean, I'm, everything you've said makes sense. I also am pretty sure we've got a Marvel itself, and I could, that uh, this could be wrong to me making this up in my head completely, but I also feel like Marvel has confirmed that everything in Phase 4 is post-Endgame. That's what I thought, too. But then I was like, the only way this makes sense, because who else would have been acting as Mort- Sorcerer Supreme? Mordo wouldn't have. No, because he hates them all. Yeah, and there wasn't really any other... Prominent. prominent yeah like the ones that we learned we actually got to learn about some more of the sorcerers in mom as they were murdered yeah <laughs> <laughs> one that can do no wrong i don't know what you're saying but so i don't know it also would have made sense that it went to wong yeah but that bothers me even more because if it's post blip then strange is back yeah and strange obviously is not absolutely content without being the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, and it he, made much more sense that he just lost it due to circumstance. But now this doesn't... There's, there's no way the trials take five years. I mean, 
Strange became the Sorcerer Supreme and a sorcerer in general within the time frame of, like, a couple months. Yes, but I'm going to caveat that. What if Wong was trying to find... Remember he was saying he needed someone who was, you know, of his caliber? Well, I'm going to put this out there. If you've got half the population, you've only got half, you know, the potential opponents. Strange was able to find Dormammu because Dormammu came to him. But if there's not as much going on, like, we don't know a lot in the time between the snap and the blip. But it did seem like a relatively peaceful time. The Avengers were retired. So maybe there just weren't those level of threats that would warrant a step up to Sorcerer Supreme. My only argument with that is even if that was true, Strange would still have been back. And we don't know how far out Shang-Chi... That is one thing we still don't know, is how far out Shang-Chi was from the blip. So regardless, we could be talking, like, months that Strange was already back. And I could understand if you're in these trials, for them to kind of be like... Like, I get both sides maybe being like, well, we should let him finish, but also when you have the full Sorcerer Supreme back in ready for duty, it's like, well, sorry, dude, but, like, he's back. Like, I'm gonna say something... And I actually think it's really smart, but I don't know how you're going to feel about it. Okay. The whole point of MOM was that Strange makes questionable at best decisions. Okay. And there's a whole part at the very beginning where it's obvious that people know what happened on Titan and the decision that he made. What if he lost the supremacy? I don't even know if that's what they call because it. Because he gave the Because stone. he made that decision and allowed half of the world to be dusted. Okay. What if as a, I don't know if you would call them a society, a group, whatever, they voted him out? Okay, I see it, but I'm going to argue in no way home he blatantly says that he lost the Sorcerer Supreme title to Wong on a small uh snag which was him being dead for five years does he say that explicitly yes yes he does i got nothing i I don't i mean okay guys there's some news that came out of marvel this week that they apparently have someone whose sole job is to they're not doing a good job is to manage and make sure that they are adhering to the timeline that everything works it's basically like a continuity person for a film on the grandest of scales kind of my dream job but where were they when this was happening because unless we really are thinking way too deeply about this but you're hearing me you're hearing my reasoning right like yeah. you're, you're seeing where i'm at with this yeah i mean it could have literally been any other explanation but they specifically chose this. And As he was becoming the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't understand why, because it just complicates things that have been said in the past. Or really, directly contradicts them. Unless, the only other thing is if they, as a group, voted Wong in, and even though Strange came back, they were like, too late, buddy. I mean, I get that, but it's just like, Strange blatantly said it was because he was dusted. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he was dusted, so he lost the supremacy, and then just because he's back doesn't mean he gets it back. Yeah, I mean, it's a cop-out, but it's the only way it makes sense. But if Wong was going through his trials post-blip, Strange is still back regardless. Strange would have known Wong was being... But he would have already been voted in. Like, he would have Not necessarily. The trials are for a reason. No, but voted as the person going through the trials. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're saying, I'm going to put this person forth. 
I get what you're saying, but for five years? Look, I don't know. I'm just trying to make it make sense, and it doesn't. And so I'm grasping at straws. Once again, we're going to put a lifeline out. And if you guys have any explanations or theories, or you can just, like, have listened to us for the past who knows how long already that this episode is and thought we were being really stupid because there's a really obvious answer, (laughs) tweet comment anything let us know your thoughts because this is gonna bother me yeah i mean i'm this like not like, gonna sleep I'm this so is a annoyed. consistent problem no matter what I, I was bothered about the long abomination fight in shang chi because i didn't understand it I, i've been bothered about it for a year and i thought i was getting answers and instead i'm more confused so we're gonna close out that chapter but once again we'll put a lifeline out there if you guys have any thoughts any theories throw it our way Yeah, and I think, you know, the rest of it is pretty interesting in terms of just, like, that particular kind of subplot in, like, less overarching MCU. So we see that Blonsky is, of course, paroled, which you and I have, I mean, mainly you have pointed out that that pretty much opens the door for him in the Thunderbolts. We'll obviously see him more. There's footage of him in trailers later on, so... We'll continue to see him in the show. But I don't want to fully gloss over that really quick because I do want to point out I thought it was really interesting. He has the he has come to terms with his monster as well. Yeah, and that and I like saw it coming when he was like, ah, ah, ah let me prove my I point. Know. But I thought that was really interesting, and I don't ever want to negate the fact that Emil, in his own way, is extremely smart. Yeah, but we can all say, you know, Bruce is a scientist. Like I, I was not entirely shocked when he eventually got a hold of the two ends because I mean he did all these studies on himself. He was figuring himself out constantly. So I was just a little thrown off, but then again, the guy spent 15 years in prison. No. Well, yeah. Roughly. Roughly. 15 years in prison with not much to do, a lot of meditation. I'm sure, you know, he reached the same conclusion in a completely different way, but it was interesting to see him kind of be able to get that grasp. Well, and it's also interesting that for Bruce, he's not really able to control the actual change itself. He needs the mechanism for that, but he's just able to well, control- Well, the, yeah, yeah. He's a, Bruce is able to control the Hulk form. He can pull a She-Hulk yeah, and can change and go back whenever he wants to. Blonsky, yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting, too, that, like, the meditation route led him to a full control. Not only is he in control as the Abomination, but he controls when he's the Abomination and when he's not. Whereas Bruce now can control the Hulk, but he can't control when the Hulk happens unless he has the inhibitor on, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I think it will be a little interesting because, as you know, and I will continue to say, I believe Emil's future, and I know Taylor already said this episode, is going to be with the Thunderbolts. So I am a little intrigued because I know, I think for the same reason a lot of people have been a little upset with the Hulk recently is because they kind of feel like they almost humanized him too much where you kind of just have this big, like... It'd be like just putting the rock out there and just kind of being like, fight my guy. Like, that's kind of where I see the Hulk. So, you know, I I am a little intrigued because I wonder if this will be the same fate Abomination sort of falls into. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And and I'm looking forward. I really hope he is a part of the Thunderbolts because I think there's a lot more. Especially with the rumors of Red Hulk that were circulating now kind of being completely nerfed because of you know, the man who played General Ross passing away, I would assume that Abomination will be the Hulk's version on that team. I did think it was interesting, though. I will call us out on one incorrect theory that Valentina was one of his pen pals because they do prominently... We said that. 
Yes, we did. Well, I did not. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure you agreed with me, but it's fine. I really don't feel like I did, but we are on tape, so yeah. like... <laughs> I'll listen back to it and report back. But anyway, they did show the seven pen pals, and yeah, not one was of so them funny. was valentina so that has been debunked but that's not to say that she won't come in at some other point down the road well because i think it's you know to to us at least pretty clear where he's going next and that was really the main storyline this episode i want to get to the last few minutes but i want to save that for the end because i have quite a bit to say there so the last other thing is that i really want to talk about is the b plot which was hilarious first off i love pug Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and this is the guy who I pointed out. I was like, guys, he's, like, playing the bad guy in Arrow. Like, he plays the good guy really well, but you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I love you. You're so, like, you know, for the good of Star City or Starlight City or whatever it is. I haven't I watched watch Arrow the, in a long I time. I never watched the show. But, you know, he's, I think he plays, like, the DA, and you think he's this awesome dude who's, like, really out to change things. And then you find out he's actually the guy who's been, like, stalking Oliver and, like, trying to kill him this whole time, the, like, dark archer or whatever. And so he does that whole bad guy playing good really well but if he turns bad it's actually gonna break my heart in this show because i love him i don't see him doing it i don't either especially for the sake of and like taylor said we'll get to the last few minutes of the show but because we've now been introduced to another foe yeah. let's just put it out New there for yeah i don't see that coming i also i feel like we're in a different spot with the type of show this is because the whole thing is Jen is humanizing this whole superhero thing so much that, like, the people around her are literally just, like, regular people. Yeah. And she's completely surrounded by them. Like, not everybody has to be a foe or an ally or some kind of super-powered being. Exactly. And so, going to this B-plot, I had to laugh because it was the most random thing, but this is, once again, what gives it that sitcom feeling. Yeah. like, let's move to the next part of the story like and, like, in, split it. Exactly. Like in um, How I Met Your Mother, where Barney randomly just runs the New York Marathon, and that's, like, a whole plot line where you're like, what? Oh, honestly, I've been on TikTok a lot, and granted, I know we watched the show, but I, I've been seeing a lot of clips recently of, like, Modern Family. Yeah. Where you constantly have characters from the family going and doing, like, you have seven different plots happening, and everybody's doing different things, and you're just like, what is Phil doing? And then there's Cam off the rocker, and, like, everything is going haywire. That is what that gave me. And it was so random. But, also, this episode gave us so many random call-outs. Yeah. Like, obviously, New Asgard was a huge one, but when the judge sat there, it was like, Thor's, like... Inspirational speeches. He was like, it doesn't count in court. (laughs) I was like, oh my god. crying. That was so good. And then, of course, the crown jewel of the B-plot... Megan the Stallion oh showing gosh. up in the flesh. She was hilarious. She was so good. The end credit scene was so good. So funny. I literally want to be in Jen's life. Sitcom. Yeah. It really does. And not like WandaVision sitcom kind of thing, because like they kinda of, you know, that's a whole different thing. But like it really sat there and like think about it. I'm gonna use Modern Family again as a great example. You sit there, they go to like a like finished screen, I guess, and credit I don't want to call it end credit scene, but, like, in that family idea. And then they'll do, like, a 30-second after thing of something chaotic happening. Yeah. That was what this was. I like the repurposing, and don't get me wrong, I love our end credit scenes, but I like the repurposing of them. That they're not being taken seriously. That they're just kind of like, here's a stupid little bit. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. And I'm just like, okay, that's it. That's what I want to see. Yeah. It's very fresh. And I know we've talked a lot about, like, how they're really experimenting, I think, 
with the different formats, the different tones. You know, if you look at the breadth of the shows we've gotten, there have been some that are so just like, I don't want to say cookie cutter because that has a negative connotation, but like they're very much MCU shows, right? Yeah. Like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Well, Hawkeye kind of had like a film, not film noir, but like a but detective But the Falcon thing. and the Winter Soldier, But for yeah, sure. that's a good example. Yeah. Like so incredibly like in the MCU. I think shows like Loki are a little more sci-fi and like played in that realm. Obviously, Moon Knight was like, Indiana Jones, that's not a TV show, but, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they've, they've definitely played with different vibes, but this is one that I think stands on its own completely in the same way that WandaVision did, but for completely different reasons. For whatever reason, they really nailed these, like, nine-episode shows. Yeah. And the six-episode shows, some are really, really good, and some have their issues. And, I, and you know, even to say that, I think some just... They struggle in some of their episodes yeah. to create that cohesive story between six of them. But I think what's so great about the show is you can have that cohesive story without shoving it constantly, and that's the only thing we get. Yeah. So I, I really have been enjoying it. I thought that the, the B-plot was so funny. So good. I loved Meg Thee Stallion. I, I, and I knew she was in it. Like, yeah. we've gotten the confirmation, but I just thought that was amazing. And now it seems like Pug is going to enter the world of Jen and Nikki and be, like, the third. Like, yeah. I feel like there's so many, like, sitcom tropes where it's, like, two women and then the man. And, like, he brings, like, the male energy. And so, like, there we go. I'm like, okay, the trio has been established. Yeah. So no, that's I, exciting. I fully agree. There's one last thing I want to talk about before we get into those last few minutes. And I told Taylor I was so ecstatic about this. But it was the, I guess, 30 seconds to a minute of real time that they were, you know, having TikToks up on the page and showing comments about She-Hulk. And for those of you who aren't necessarily aware of maybe why I'm ecstatic in my own way is because a lot of those comments themselves are real. They come from when they announced She-Hulk was slated and they were comments made on the Marvel Instagram. So that, like, to me is just like, wow, Marvel really just went, what'd you say? <laughs> They're not here for your misogyny, so you can step off. Yeah. I was like, wow, if... And this is, I'm going to blatantly say if this was, like, if I had written a comment that just got thrown into a Marvel show, but it was, like, not one of the better comments yeah, I probably ever not my made. love for Marvel. Yeah, and Marvel threw it into their show, I would probably be weeping in my room because yeah. I was just blasted. <laughs> well, you're immortalized being a misogynist. That's, like, not, not the goal. Yeah, it was... Yeah, and honestly, maybe we're in our dark Marvel phase. Like, maybe Marvel's entering their villain era. I don't know. But, like, that was... Some, if that's like, what you call it, I'm so here for that it. That was some chaotic energy, and I was living for it. It was so good. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, you see... Because it's just like, it's like The Watcher. It's like, you don't really know they're, they're watching, and then they just, like, confirm they were watching. And yeah. you're like, wow. And okay. it's not just like, oh, the fans complained about a specific plot point, so we, like corrected or redirected yeah. which we've seen happen before this no. is pretty much confirmation that that was because of us but not only are they just looking at general sentiments they're looking at your individual comments and saying "Ooh, this one trashy we should add this to the list of trashy comments we've got yeah it, and, but it was it was a moment and i was i was like okay snaps to you Marvel. yeah I, like i said big bold and i love it if this is villain era I'll run with it. Yep. I don't care. I like that. And this is the type of show that it fits. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. You know, like this does fit so well. And I think, like, I wouldn't have seen this in Miss Marvel. Oh, no. No matter what was said about that show, I wouldn't have seen it. This show 
she is clearly the director not holding back, and I know I've seen a lot of things about she's actually been asked by Kevin a couple times to have dialed back some of the, like, crapping on other Marvel things. So I think that's funny because she isn't afraid to hold back, though. She's like, no, let's hold a mirror up. And we have this character who breaks the fourth wall and talks to the audience, so let's freaking talk. Well, yeah, and let's acknowledge what the audience says back. Yeah. And I love that. And to your point, too, like, it's so interesting that you compare it to uh, Ms. Marvel because that show, too, is so aware of the MCU in its own way. Yeah. But, like, it's so reverent. You know, it loves the heroes and it worships them and it spotlights them in a positive light, you know, which is fine. We all love to do that, too. But this show acknowledges the dark side of it, Mm -hmm. the stuff that's ugly and mean and that we've all been crapped on in the comments. We've all had people, you know, telling us we don't know what we're talking about. Well, because, you know what, I don't, (laughs) and I'm going to say Scarlet Witch because I love her, but I know she's not out here on her phone being like, oh. People said this about me, even though I'm sure they did, because she literally did what she did when they were, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? In Nigeria? Well, okay. I think it was Nigeria. I keep saying Nigeria, but I don't actually know that that's a fact, because I haven't watched Maybe Civil I War in a long time. stop asking you for confirmation. Yeah, I haven't but been there. But she obviously saw time. it on the news, but they also weren't sitting there going, the Scarlet, well, uh, she wasn't the Scarlet Witch at the time, <laughs> but they weren't saying, like, Wanda sat here and blew up an entire thing, like, no, she didn't. She wasn't sitting there on her phone reading probably hate comments. Like, we never really saw this perspective. We didn't see, I mean, Black Widow struggled with a lot with herself on the inside and from her past, but she didn't have people blowing her past up into her face all the time being like, hey, you said this, you did this in your past, you're canceled. Even though her whole past was out because yeah. of what happened in... yes. But we never saw that angle of this. So I'm loving that we're seeing the angle. And I'm loving even more that they don't, they aren't even needing to make it up. They're sitting here and they're taking genuine things that they're seeing on the internet. And they're like, putting you on blast. Putting you on blast. Putting you on blast too. Chef's kiss. What a masterclass. What a, just, it's beautiful. I, you can tell this was directed by a woman starring a woman for women. Oh, yeah. And it breathes it every minute of every day. The fact that she was on a news segment and he talks to her about her case for five seconds and then, and then says, goes, let's talk about her diet what? and her makeup and or whatever. And she goes, what? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. how every woman is treated. How many women in the, in the spotlight have come out and said, well, can you ask me about something other than my dress? Can you ask me about something other than how I look? And there's a really workout? iconic example of that, and I cannot think of I it. I think it's Natalie Portman. Maybe. I think it's our queen, Natalie Portman. I know there's, uh, and it's it's been something that, you know, we all look at, and we all, like, have seen it. It's not a new clip, but I can't think it's of it. It's super iconic. When they, whoever it is, does straight up just kind of be like, could you ask me, like, about... My movie? Yeah, and I know... And I don't want to get into this drama, but I'll just bring up the fact, like, I know Florence Pugh, since she's a Marvel girl, I will, I'll mention it, has her Don't Worry Darling movie coming out. And I even was watching an interview where they're asking her about Harry and how it was to work with Harry Styles. And I love Harry Styles. I'm not going to ever say I don't. I literally see him in a week. Like, I'm not ever going to say I wasn't a 1D girl. But you could tell, like, everybody in the comments were like, why are they not asking her? She's the lead in the movie about how she is in the movie. Yeah. Like, they're asking her about her male co-star. Exactly. So, and the fact that this show brings those tendencies and that kind of media appetite, one hundred percent, into the MCU, yeah. and basically says this is how it's like to be a real woman in the world. Yes. I freaking love it. We it's have not been in a box, yeah, and that is what the show is really showing me. 
seeing this other angle of what it is to be a superhero, like, we've lived in a box. And that's part of that is because Tony was a billionaire. Yeah. Thor was a god who lived off world. Captain America was a science experiment who, what was he going to do? Live a normal life? Yeah. No. That was literally never going to happen. So I'm not even going to bring up that game. <laughs> leave it. Leave it. Bruce turned into an angry green monster 90% of the time. Black Widow was an assassin, and Hawkeye was an assassin. We didn't have, like, a, a normal superhero. Yeah. So it was like, no duh, they were doing things like living in, like, and working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and living in top secret places and everything else. We didn't see this from a normal person's point of view. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up, because the only woman, because I'm going to bring up the Defenders later, and, and so they're on my mind, and that's why I'm thinking about it. They're street-level heroes, so they do the whole normal person by day, hero by night thing. And the only woman among them is our dear Jessica Jones. Right. And so it's interesting because you do... I don't know if you even see it from her person, Like, because she's a PI. Like, even from there, you want to say, like, yeah, she lives a normal life. Like, she doesn't have the funding of a Tony Stark. But because of what happened to her with Kilgrave, I don't know that she was... Yeah, I don't think she was a PI before that. She becomes a PI. Well, a life of a PI is very different from that of a normal person yeah. or like a re- like a person who's not a PI. Like the types of jobs they do, the type of hours they keep, the type of people they communicate with yeah. just by the nature of that profession. So even that, in the most street level of heroes that we've seen, the woman still, and we're specifically talking about women in this instance, is still not shown in a way that's like, this is what it's well, like to be a superhero and a normal woman. And even if we did happen to see it, we see the fl- the two sides of a coin. The Peter Parker Spider-Man. Yeah. No one knows, well, <laughs> no, I can say that now. Yeah, no that's one knows, very valid now. No one knows Peter Parker Spider-Man. No one. But we did see, and we were able to see some of that fallout from finding out. Yeah. But he is an example of a hero that we that is just as much as we see with a lot of other heroes, where it's like, I live my everyday life, fine, but at the end of the day, I'm a superhero. People might not know that, and that's the point. Yeah. But, like, Jen's out here a full-fledged She-Hulk half the time, Jen the other half the time, and doing what she has to do, living both sides of that and both lives in front of everybody. Yeah. So it's really interesting, and honestly, it's, like, one of those things that I feel like you could just deep dive into in, like, a totally like social way. Oh my gosh, you which can is a, not our job. Yeah, but <laughs> you can totally take a feminist like sociological lens to this entire show and just like rip it apart. We could do an entire series on it. Yeah, it would. We be, won't because we don't have time. But like, we totally could. Yeah, it would be, and it would be an interesting take. It would be yeah. a really interesting way to really mirror what we saw in the first few phases and how we saw. You know, the male superheroes being depicted and what this show is giving us from the female point of view. So I love it. But let's get into those last few minutes. Yeah, I'm really, really, really excited to talk about this because people, they were in the trailer and people were kind of annoyed of the way they were depicted, whatever. I like didn't really pay that much attention to it. But then when they came in this episode, I was like, there's a reason people were reacting strongly. They're actual characters in the comics. Which, like, you know, you know, but, like, We'll see, I actual, didn't actual until characters. Taylor, like, told me before the podcast recording started. So, that is why she'll take this away. But I didn't know that. Oh, so, so. if you guys didn't know, <laughs> I'm going to give you a little background anyway, which was my plan. So, they're actually called the Wrecking Crew. And basically, they are these guys who kind of steal power from Loki in the comics and they go out and they're bad guys. And they fight guys like the Defenders. They fight the Thunderbolts. 
Um, who else did I say they fight? Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns. It's mentioned S.H.I.E.L.D. in there, so I'm sure they get on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar. Unfortunately, that's not really an option for us, but, you know, just putting that out there. So I think it's interesting because then you're translating that into She-Hulk. She points out very specifically, oh, you have Asgardian weapons. So that's kind of that Asgardian hook to their comic book origin. Yeah. Obviously, they're not getting their powers from Loki because in this universe, our Loki's been dead for like six or seven years. <laughs> Hurtful. But <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> The laugh of pain. <laughs> yeah, truly. I laugh to hide my pain. But anyway, what's really interesting, I think, to me is they get, you know, they try to stab Jen. They try to get her blood. I think that's kind of what we both you know, have gone direction-wise what their aim was. And then they say in the in the car or in the van, he's like, hey, boss is not going to be happy. So I want to point out a few theories that I have about this. One, just going back quickly to that list of foes I mentioned, the Defenders. I think that, to me, makes the most sense because we have a confirmed Daredevil yeah. coming into this series. Obviously, we know he's a part of the Defenders. We've seen it on TV. Great show. So that is a really easy connection for why Matt Murdock might come in. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've been struggling a lot with the fact that this show is set in L.A. and Matt Murdock is a very New York-based character. That's his home. Although he doesn't Wong leave. might be in New York, so we might find something going on I there. mean, that's totally fair. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is the connection. Yeah. So to me, if we're seeing the Wrecking Crew in L.A., I, Matt Murdock, like I said, not a traveling guy, but, like, does he travel to follow these people? I don't know. I just know that them having a connection with the Defenders in the comics, to me, raises my antenna. Also super interesting that they mentioned the Thunderbolts. We talked earlier about, of course, Abomination potentially being a part of that. So having those two sets of characters in the same show, again, interesting connection. And then I want to go back to what we said about their boss. So I have two kind of theories related to this. One based on the comics and one just kind of based on where we are in the MCU, where characters have been left off. So in the comic-based one, it's interesting to me that one of their allies is the Gang of the Red Hood, who, if you guys are unfamiliar, that's actually Anthony Ramos's character in Ironheart, which is coming out next year i think so so knowing that that character is on the horizon i think that's super interesting is this kind of our little teaser into his character unclear my second thought is what if their boss is the same as titania's you know is it a dr doom who's now manipulating all these like semi-powered beings TBD. Can I put something stupid out there? I would love that, because I'm about to go reel off the wall with the next one. Is it almost possible it could be Kingpin? That was my next one! Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Because I was so like, glad. with the way you were talking about Daredevil so much, and the Defenders, and everything else, and where characters are connecting, and because we're getting Echo coming up. Well, here, let me connect the dots for you, because I know you haven't watched a Daredevil series. So Not for yet. anybody we'll who hasn't watched it... Let me just give you a quick refresher on where things leave off. Spoilers coming. So sorry, but you need to know this information. Also, it's been out for a really long time, so sorry, guys. But season three of Daredevil, again, pits Daredevil against Kingpin. Now Kingpin is out of prison in house arrest, but at the end of the season, they strike a deal. Daredevil says to him, you go back to prison. You don't set a foot outside prison. You don't do anything outside the lines or your wife, Vanessa, goes to jail for having ordered a hit on someone because he has a witness that she had done that. 
and the thing that Kingpin loves the most is his wife. So he agrees to go to jail. Now, that leads me to some questions because why was he out of jail in Hawkeye? So how does that mm. relate? So I'm already kind of like, how does point A get me to point B? I'm confused. But then I'm like, well, if he's already out and we've got Daredevil clearly doing his thing, they're going to clash, whether that's in the Daredevil series, whether that's, I mean, it's probably going to happen in Echo because we know Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are both in in Echo, so there's going to be a clash there. So is this the beginning of setting up round four between Daredevil and Kingpin? It very well could be. What he wants with the She-Hulk's blood, I don't know. Well, here's my thing, and let me tell you, I could be totally wrong because Once again, I've reiterated this before, and I'll reiterate it now. I don't spend my free time watching The Incredible Hulk from 2018. 2018, I wish. 2008, I don't. I simply don't. I think I've seen it twice. I probably will also not watch it again. (laughs) I'm gonna be honest. Maybe one more time in my entire lifetime. It's not worth the watch for me. For a lot of reasons. It's also a totally different guy. Well, and that's... (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) No, but that's actually one of the reasons. You know, it's hard for me to... I'm so used to Bruce being played by Mark Ruffalo, it's really hard for me to kind of feel connection. Yeah. And maybe I'll feel differently with Emil now being, you know, who knows? I could feel differently. But regardless, I'm going to pull off a memory of this movie from roughly 2018 when I would have been, no, it would have been probably 2017 when I started my rewatch for Infinity War. So going on about five years... (laughs) I feel like part of, I know they were going after the super soldier serum. That was the whole thing. That's obviously, I'm that I know. But I do feel like there was an aspect of his blood that had something to do with the story. The Hulk's blood. Well, yeah, because he creates the other That's, one at the end. Yeah. So I'm wondering if their goal is to create more Hulks, which if they were to succeed, would be a very interesting thing since we have been talking about things such as World War Hulk and Planet Hulk possibly being an eventual endpoint for where the Hulk character is going. So, you know, not everything follows the comics to a T. We obviously know that. This could be their way of kind of creating a whole race, pretty much, of Hulks. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a way in. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't know how a kingpin would tie into that. I don't think in that particular money. theory. It makes money. You, you've you got a Hulk's blood. I mean, the that. The same way the power broker was brokering off a uh, superhero. Ser- super soldier. Yes. Thank yes, you. Yes, but exactly. It makes money. People are going to want that. Are you kidding me? That's true. Make your own monster. Yeah. Or have your it's own like, bodyguard for your It's like a Build-A-Bear. You... <laughs> or. That's terrible. <laughs> or. If you got yourself out of jail and you're afraid of Daredevil coming after your wife, Make now your or the law is a build your, your own wife. monster. Yeah, like literally Frankenstein. I'm just saying, I could not see another use for her blood on a villainous side that isn't to make more. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, look at Abomination. Look at who he was in the 2008 film. Imagine making that for yourself. Yeah. So I will say the one line that gets me is when he said, "As soon as she turned into She Hulk." Her skin was, like, impenetrable. And I was like, oh, no. They're going to come after her when she's Jen. Like, that, you know that sets that up for that. And I was like, you know, there's that split second between when she actually, like, reacts. But they didn't think to go after her with that right away. Now a lesson gets learned. Yeah. So I'm intrigued. I like it. Um, I will just throw out one final thought on my end. And I, you brought up, how do you say her name? 
Titania. Titania, because we definitely messed that up the first, like, three episodes, or two episodes. So I just need to be reminded. But, I mean, I hope she's not kind of off the board. But she was set up to be, from our perspective, from the trailers, the big opposing factor. And I'm kind of glad we're not seeing that, because I'm not expecting this. Yeah, Here's why I think her boss is the same as their boss. I'm imagining it like, do you remember when we used to watch our Spider-Man animated film? Yeah. And there was, like, the baddie of the episode? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, right? So, like, you had Titania in episode one. There really wasn't one in episode two. It was more about Jen, her growth, and, like, you know, the ramifications, essentially, from episode one. But now in episode three, we've got a new baddie. Yeah. So, to me, it's like, oh, they're coming at her from, like, well, Titania wasn't really going at Jen. She wasn't actually expecting Jen to be there. But, like, it's almost like Titania was going after something, something related to that case, and then now we're like, okay, now we have a new player on the board, maybe we can use her to our advantage, let me send this other crew after her, and, like, it's, like, one, like, I'm imagining, like, a puppet master sending out the bad guy of the week to go after Jen in a different way. Yeah. So, I mean, and it kind of follows that, like, not sitcom model, but that more, like, episodic, like, not, like, a six-hour movie spread out over six episodes which is what a lot of the other shows have ever been yeah Yeah, but more like truly episodic yeah so i could actually see that and i think that almost gives credence to the idea that like they're being told what to do by the same person they're the henchmen that are getting sent out exactly yeah exactly okay i like it i like it but those are my thoughts i just wanted to bring her up just to kind of I know we do- briefly talked about her over dinner a little bit as well. Yeah. So I was like, you know, just throw her out there because obviously we haven't seen her again. I think her name was dropped during this episode. I think when they were recapping with Jen did in the courtroom. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I feel like she was name dropped at some point. Well, and Jamila Jamil is still out doing press for it. So that's interesting in and of itself. And that tells me she's coming back because she was yeah. out spray painting the yeah. Shimo poster. Oh, I don't think she Titania. won't. I just, I like that we're getting a really different format for the way that this show is. It's really, it's something to me, and I think that's another reason I really like it, is that it's not been following the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. Because I do love a lot of the characters that have been in the past shows. I like watching the shows, but when you follow the same format, it does get that exhausting thing. You kind of have a feeling of certain things that might happen. You know where the big climax should be, and I think I know, we had some problems with Miss Marvel because we were like, what just happened? Yeah. And I, we didn't feel that they spread that show out the way it should have been. And I know we've had some issues with some of the other shows for the same reason. So I'm, I'm liking the format change. I'm liking that I never know what I'm getting the next episode. Like, yeah. I genuinely don't know. What, it feels like WandaVision. Yeah. But, like, not to the point where I don't know what I just watched. Or the like, point where I don't really understand anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm totally following the episode, but I don't know what I'll see next week. Yeah. And it's too, like, you've said this a couple times, but it's, like, a lighthearted watch. Like, yeah. I don't feel like I'm, like, I'm going to go sit down and watch something really intense or really cerebral. And there's a place for that. I yeah. live for that stuff. But honestly, on my Thursday before our Friday, uh, when I already I think it's Friday, <laughs> I would love to be able to just watch. And it's, and it's not the long 45-minute shows. Yeah. It's that 30-minute, like small little let's just laugh a little bit let me go watch jen as she hulk twerk with megan thee stallion and have the song body close out the marvel credits which i never thought i'd say i know what a strange sentence to (laughs) come out of your mouth i know so 
I loved it. I'm so excited for next week. As I said, every other week, because I truly am. Like, I'm I'm loving this show. Best show so far out of I, all of them. I agree. Hands down. I agree. I'm Even about show. Hawkeye. And we, like, adored Hawkeye, which After is ironic. Six. Yeah. But, like, which is ironic, because every other one of my favorite characters was in the first three shows. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, WandaVision was great. They all were great, in except Loki. Way. But... Um, <laughs> no, some of us can be honest, but I that doesn't for me like the the feeling. This reminds me of One Division, but like I said, it the feeling that it gave me. But I genuinely know what's going on, and I'm not like stressed leaving the episode. Like I don't know what's happening, yeah, and I'm confused, and this is just blowing my brain, and I don't know what's going on. So. Exactly, I love this show. Me too. All right, well, if you can't tell. We're getting to the end because we can't stop talking about how much we love this show. So <laughs> that is a wrap on episode three of She-Hulk. We are enamored. We are so excited for episode four. If you want to come along with us as we experience our new love addiction to this show, you can give us a subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. If you like what we're saying about the show, please give us a rating or a review. You can also check out our blog, which is linked in the show notes for extra context and content. The Kate does a great job of researching things that we may have forgotten to talk about during the episode or may have just straight up said we were wrong. I don't think we did any today, but you never know. We'll find out. Yeah, who knows? And last but not least, you can also check out our Redbubble shop, which has all types of different merch, also linked in the show notes. Also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. We have our theories, our new episodes, we are retweeting news, retweeting theories, all sorts of good stuff, all there. So make sure you guys are following and you can find everything you need right there, links to the blog, etc., etc. And then lastly, the day we're recording this, our September newsletter just came out today. So if you were signed up, that should be in your inbox. Hope you guys are liking that. If you missed the September newsletter, not to fret. You can make sure you guys are signing up on the blog, for which is also linked from the Twitter, to make sure you guys are getting the newsletter for next month. And within the coming weeks, I'm hoping to get those up on the blog as well. But you guys have to wait a little bit because you didn't sign up and so you couldn't get it directly in your inbox. So you guys have to wait a little bit. I know. I know. But definitely make sure you guys are signing up for that because those are really awesome and they're just some cool little extra bit for you guys coming from us. But... With everything that we've said, we are loving She-Hulk. We hope you guys are loving She-Hulk. And we will continue to be covering this for the next, I can't count, six weeks. (laughs) And so, truly, we hope you guys are loving it. So make sure you guys are keeping up with the show and keeping up with us. Because Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. 